He is treating migrants, human beings, babies, children, elders. He's treating them like freight, like a political pawns. There's nothing of goodwill about what this man is doing. So you asked me before um, if there was more communication. Where I'd start is to say, Governor, respect these people as human beings. It's March 1st, man, it's March 1st already, 2023. Where is the time going? I'm Dave Rubin, this is The Rubin Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not subscribed at rumble.com slash Rubin Report, go ahead and do that, would you? And if you want to join us for the post-game show where you can add commentary and queries and much more, join us at rubinreport.locals.com. A very important note for today's show. Uh, my parents have been visiting for the last few days. And uh, they're downstairs watching the kids right now. And my mom said to me before I came upstairs, she said, how about no cursing today? Could you not curse on the program today? And then we're doing the rundown. And I realized we got nothing from The View today. We have no clips of The View. We have no clips from MSNBC. I'm pretty sure I can get through this show without either cursing at somebody or having to write down what I really think of them. This is a very exciting program. I'm saying we're going to go to a 9-7 today. We shall see uh, the theme though, right off that uh, cold open that we just showed you there. It's very exciting because uh, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago is no more. She lost yesterday and lost by a lot. And we are gonna connect Lori Lightfoot to what has happened to modern liberalism and the fight that these last few libs who get a couple things right, but most things wrong, uh, that they are having with the with the woke radical progressives and how that has really just decimated the entire party. And that if you are a roughly sane person, there is an option, there is an off ramp and you might have to go like this and you know just jump in and see what happens and find out that those crazy people on the right who you thought were bigots and racists and homophobes and all of those things that they're actually not that bad. So uh, there are some options for your friends who are still a little confused. That's what we're gonna be doing today. Before we get to it real quick, let me talk to you about Birch Gold. Uh, you know, despite the US blowing through the 31.4 trillion, that's trillion with a T, dollar debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king, it's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or a 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you gotta do. Visit birchgold.com Dave today to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this, to dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000. And it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by visiting birchgold.com Dave. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. Go to birchgold.com slash Dave, and now back to me. Okay, so here's how we are going to present the show, because we are going to give you, it, it, this is a double whammy we're really doing for you people. Not only are we not showing you anything of The View and MSNBC, but we're gonna also show you some of Lori Lightfoot's greatest hits, right? I mean, and trust me, this lady has got some greatest freaking hits. 
an awful lot of murders under her watch too, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Uh, but the way I want to frame this show really is we can always just hit the woke, right? And we hit them hard and hopefully more and more people are waking up to the nonsense and all that. But there still is a problem with this sort of average modern Democrat. You guys get it. And I know I play a lot of clips of Bill Maher, but he was on CNN yesterday with Jake Tapper and he was making sense. And the question is, can you make sense and then vote the wrong way? If you make sense and then always vote the wrong way, are, are you doing something that's net good or not? I think that's the position that say a Mar, a Barry Weiss, your aunt Edna, who considers herself an old school Democrat, like that's the situation that these people find themselves in. So I wanna show you a quick clip. This is uh, Bill Maher on CNN uh, with Jake Tapper. Bill Maher, by the way, they're doing real time. His extra segments that they used to just air on YouTube are now on CNN. So he's in a bit of a partnership with, with CNN. I'm just putting that out there uh, just for transparency. But here's Maher making some sense on CNN with Jake Tapper. I think it's this collection of ideas that uh, are not building on liberalism, but very often undoing it. I mean, Five years ago, Abraham Lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals. We liked him. <laughs> now they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Um, you know, five, ten years ago, bedrock liberalism was we are striving to be a colorblind society where we don't see race. Um, of course, we see it, but it doesn't matter. That's not what woke is. Woke is something very different. It's, it's identity, it's, we see it all the time. It's always the most important thing. I don't think that's liberalism. I mean, I could mention so many issues like that. Um, I remember doing um, that uh, show on HBO, uh, Comic Relief for the Homeless. And the idea then, again, among liberals, I thought was, you know, for the sake of compassion, can we get these people off the street so they have a roof over their heads? And now it's like, how dare you <laughs> try to move the homeless? This is where they live. It's like, again, you, you change the definitions and then you say, I'm more conservative. I believe what I've always believed. You change these things and then you yell at me for it. Okay, so sanity and sanity, no matter who it comes from, is nice to hear every now and again. Now, there's a couple interesting things there. He's right that it's the liberals who used to want to be colorblind, but it's the modern liberals who are the wokesters, right? Like he's in an, in an increasingly shrinking set of people uh, that seem unable to control any of the people around them, right? The whole house is burning and they're looking at the dust bunny in the corner going, oh, we better deal with that dust bunny, but the whole house is burning because of the, wokes, of the wokesters. And I think that this, and this is a, a depressing thing, I've said this before, but this is a depressing realization for me to have to come to as someone that I, I think I put the phrase classical liberalism back in the American lexicon more than anybody, right? I mean, it was seven years ago, eight years ago at this point where I was saying, hey, the liberals are not acting liberally. You guys know that, but it's a depressing reality to have to come to the realization that the blind spot of liberalism seems to be that there's no emergency break, right? So the liberals used to want to be colorblind, but now they are the ones who are obsessed with color. And again, there are a couple ancillary people on the outside going, guys, could we not be crazy here anymore? But in essence, you should be voting a completely different way. I also want to address that. He talked about comic relief. If you guys remember comic relief, it was an annual 
thing that, that really all the A-list comedians did every year on HBO. It was mostly done, in, I think, in the 80s, maybe, maybe early to mid-90s, and Whoopi Goldberg hosted it, and Robin Williams, and Billy Crystal, and they would get every, I'm talking every comic doing their routine, and they were, you know, taking money live, you know, phone calls, pledges for homeless people, but it's kind of funny, like now, I remember watching it back then thinking what, a, what an incredible thing this was, like they're, you know, it's all my favorite people, I, I loved comedy and stand-up, and it's like all my favorite people raising money for homeless people, like this is all good. Flash back now, or flash forward to where we are today, and it's like, well, we now know that it was the Democrat policies that created all of that homelessness, right? Plenty of people probably knew it back then, guys like Thomas Sowell knew it back then, but now knowing what I know, it's like, man, all of you guys, you were all liberals and lefties putting in big government, high tax, high regulation policies that caused the very condition that then you were doing your annual telethon about. Anyway, I don't wanna um, just relentlessly bash Bill here because you know I am trying, because first off, what he said is right and you wanna give people credit when they say things that are true. But here's the point, and here's how I'm gonna loop this towards the Lightfoot situation is that I wanna show you this video. This is Bill Maher on real time two days before the midterms. Two days before the midterms. He spent years now fighting the woke, the Democrats are nuts, the radicals are running the party, all of that stuff. But listen to his final, this is as he's ending the show, his final plea to people before they vote, uh, whether they should vote Democrat or Republican. And I think you will see the problem. Ben Franklin said our country was a republic if you can keep it. Well, we can't. And unless a miracle happens on Tuesday, we didn't. Democracy is on the ballot, and unfortunately, it's going to lose. And once it's gone, it's gone. It's not something you can change your mind about in reverse. That's gender. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. Republicans will take control of Congress, and next year, they'll begin impeaching Biden and never stop. They'll impeach him for getting out of Afghanistan and getting into Ukraine. For inflation, for recession, for falling off his bike, it won't matter and it won't make sense. But Biden will be a crippled duck when he goes up against the 2024 Trump Carry Lake ticket. And even if Trump loses, it doesn't matter. On Inauguration Day 2025, he's going to show up, whether he's on the list or not. And this time, he's not going to take no for an answer, because this time, he will have behind him the army of election deniers that is being elected in four days. There are almost 300 candidates on the ballot this year who don't believe in ballots. And they'll be the ones writing the rules and monitoring how votes are counted in 24. The facts, the policies, the behavior don't matter anymore. Hitler was elected. So was Mussolini. Putin, Erdogan, Viktor Orban. This is the it can't happen to us moment that's happening to us right now. We just don't feel it yet. Ugh. I feel like I'm gonna have to text Bill after the show and apologize, but dude, you, you see the point there, guys? So the day before, two days before the election, after spending all of his time correctly fighting the woke, fighting the radicals, I'm a liberal, the Democrats are not liberal, he went all in on, oh my God, this is about democracy. And if we don't get the results that we want, democracy is over and the Republicans will have these sham impeachments of Biden, which is hilarious because that clearly isn't happening. And there were two sham impeachments and they tried, they really would have loved a third one if they could have got there of Trump. So this sort of hysteria that you get all of the stuff kind of right, but that at the moment of choosing, 
when the road officially forks and you have it right in front of you, which way do you go? Which way do you go if you want a society that is classically liberal and believes in individual rights and some level of laissez-faire economics and that the government shouldn't be on top of you all the time, if you as a liberal choose the other road because you're afraid of being called a Republican or something like that, then it's kinda on you. And, and that is a problem. And I would contrast that with what is happening in so many of the red states where we are expunging a lot of this nonsense. I wanna show you, uh, and then we'll get to the Lori Lightfoot stuff, a tweet by Chris Rufo from September of 21. Uh, Chris Rufo, you know him from the Manhattan Institute. I reference him all the time. He's helping Governor DeSantis right here in Florida get the woke stuff and DIE out of our institutions. Uh, this is uh, just a couple months ago. No, I'm sorry, this is uh, about 15 months ago. Um, talking about the mayors of Chicago, Portland, and Louisville, and Boise have officially endorsed critical race theory in public schools and promised to drive the implement, implementation of critical race theory in the public education curriculum across America. They aren't hiding it anymore. So that is 15 months ago, and those are all Democrats. But the liberals, the good liberals like Bill Maher, tell people, in essence, you have to vote for all of these guys at a state level and at a federal level because somehow Republicans are really the mean, scary people. Now, one of the mayors, uh, who uh, Greg Fisher from Kentucky was there, Lauren McLean from Idaho is there, Lori Lightfoot from Illinois, and Ted Wheeler, you know Ted Wheeler, uh, the mayor, or form, is he the former mayor now of Portland, Oregon? Is he, still, is he still the mayor? I know he got kicked out of his apartment because of crime. Nobody wanted to live with him, but it doesn't even matter. Portland's just a dump. Uh, anyway, so Lori Lightfoot signed that thing. So they were bringing critical race theory into the schools, right? And we know they're bringing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they will discriminate against white people, and they will push people up depending on skin color and punish other people, which is the exact thing that Bill Maher was complaining about yesterday with Jake Tapper, but he's for the candidates, unfortunately, that usher this stuff in. So now let's get to Lori Lightfoot, uh, Clay Travis, uh, updated us on what happened last night. Lori Lightfoot was crushed in tonight's Chicago mayoral race and didn't even make the runoff. 84% of Chicagoans voted against her, 84%. That level of incompetence is tough to pull off for an incumbent, congrats to her. I mean, it really is wild. So there were, there were a bunch of people running, but the fact that 84% of the people said any of these people instead of Lightfoot is just really incredible. I will say before we get into some of Lori's greatest hits and her concession speech, that I am not hopeful for Chicago. You know, generally what happens in these Democrat-run cities is they get rid of, you know, they, they vote in the most radical person, say a, a Gavin Newsom in San Francisco or any of the DAs, right? George Gascon in, in Los Angeles, Chesa Bonin in San Francisco, Ted Wheeler, mayor of uh, Portland. They vote in the absolute, absolute worst. All hell breaks loose, crime runs rampant, the, the good, decent citizens, law-abiding citizens, get the hell out of there. Everybody's freaking out. And then what do they do? They, they either recall them or they have another election. And then they just vote in someone slightly less worse, but not really less worse. So I, I don't have much help, hope for Chicago, which is unfortunate. Chicago was once an absolutely wonderful city. And when I was did the book tour in Chicago, we had an absolutely great time. Chicagoans have an incredible sense of humor, like they're fun and light and just really loved it. Uh, anyway, uh, here is just a bit of Lori Lightfoot's concession speech last night. 
Let me just uh, do this. So thank you and, and thank everyone so much. Um, I feel a lot of love in this room as I've felt every step of the way on this journey. Uh, I've called Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis uh, to congratulate them on their victories in advancing uh, to the runoffs. We were fierce competitors in these last few months, um, but I will be rooting and praying for our next mayor to deliver uh, for the people of the city for years to come. Okay, so that part was actually kind of nice, and she's stepping down with a bit of grace. Uh, but it did continue, and we got some information here from the New York Post. Democratic Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot blamed racism and her gender for her landslide defeat in her re-election bid as Chicagoans wary of rising crime on her watch celebrated her fall from political rock star to rock bottom. I'm a black woman in America, of course, she replied when asked by a reporter if she'd been treated unfairly, but she called being Chicago's mayor the honor of a lifetime. The way that these people use race and gender to their advantage uh, and, uh, is rather extraordinary because the people voted her in. So when they voted her in, were they racist, sexist bigots? It's only after a couple years of her leadership that suddenly they became racist, sexist bigots because apparently it's racist, sexist bigots who don't like mass murder on the streets constantly. Don't worry, we've got some updated numbers on the shootings and murders in Chicago uh, temp uh, just in a sec. Uh, but maybe here's why she lost. Uh, here's one of, her, one of her greatest hits. You may remember this one. Now I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. And this is how it's gonna be. We will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail, period. There should be nothing unambiguous about that. Don't make us treat you like a criminal, but if you act like a criminal and you violate the law and you refuse to do what is necessary to save lives in the city in the middle of a pandemic, we will take you to jail, period. And she's, she's a pretty terrible person. People voted for that person to treat them that way. She wanted to take otherwise law-abiding citizens who just did not want to listen to her nonsense related to COVID and open up their businesses and go out and about. Uh, she was threatening to arrest them and send them to jail. And also it's the tone with which she does it. There, there's the, the anger that she's doing it with, as opposed to like, Listen, guys, there is really a horrific, horrific pandemic out there. We do not want to have to do this, but she's doing it with anger. We will exercise our power over you. We are better than you. We are the government. But of course, Lori Lightfoot, noted style icon, Lori Lightfoot, she had to get a haircut during COVID because she's a beautiful woman. And well, take a look. Good afternoon. You know, the last thing that Mayor Lightfoot wanted to talk about today was getting a haircut, and she didn't do a whole lot of talking about it, but she certainly didn't apologize for it either. She's begged, lashed out, and used humor to try and get people to stay at home to stop the spread of COVID-19. Hey, Viv, what's up? Mom, I'm bored. You're not bored. You're saving lives. But a photo that surfaced on social media showing the mayor after getting a trim has some asking, what about me? The mayor was asked at least twice about the haircut this afternoon. 
I'm out in the public eye, and you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself, and so I got a haircut. Guys, Lori Lightfoot takes her personal hygiene very seriously. This woman brushes her teeth, we're told by insiders, six to eight times a day. She's using shampoo and conditioner, never the two in one. She's washing with a uh, lavender soap. And uh, my God, do you see this? She was literally threatening to arrest her own citizens while she, because she's out there, she, it's okay for her, the beauty that she is, the natural beauty, I think we can all objectively say, I don't think it's subjective, a truly a beautiful woman, loved by men, admired by women, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, here she is with her wife, uh, and uh, they were calling to vax five and 11 year olds. I do have to just upfront say that this video was, uh, well, you'll see it was slightly altered by the meme makers of the internet, but the content was not changed. But you will see one, unless she was really heavy on the makeup that day, a woman that really cares about her appearance. The COVID-19 vaccines are by far the best way to protect yourself and your loved ones from the virus. Anyone who isn't vaccinated should get one as soon as possible to be protected for the holidays. And that includes five to 11 year olds who are now eligible for the Pfizer vaccine. You know, what the hell do I know? Maybe that was her without makeup. Remember in the original Batman, Michael Keaton Batman, when Jack Nicholson, he has to put makeup on to look like a real person because he actually has transformed into a clown. That might be her originally. I don't know, fact checkers, misinformation specialists, please uh, let us know. Uh, anyway, here's another one by her. I mean, this one is just wild. So you guys know the, the crime in Chicago is bananas murders, shootings, it just never ends. Thousands and thousands of people uh, shot under her watch. We'll give you the numbers in just a sec, it's really crazy. Uh, but her, here she is a couple months back when a Newsmax reporter uh, asked her about rising crime in Chicago, which might have something to do with 84% of the people not voting for her yesterday. Mayor Lightfoot, what uh, Can you I think- introduce yourself, sir? Yes. I don't think I'm familiar with you. William Kelly, I'm with Newsmax. Um, what I think everybody knows, uh, but um, you didn't mention, I don't think any of uh, your speakers here today mentioned it, is the reason why the hotels are empty, the reason why the storefronts are closed, is because of fear of violent crime. No, uh, there was, well, sir, if I may you, ask my question, go, it's a simple question. question. This uh, horrific Juneteenth, 50-some shooting, uh, 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 shootings, um, uh, a young Hispanic couple pulled from their car and shot execution style. This, this video has gone viral. I don't think we've had any arrests in this case yet. Question is, do you feel personally responsible for the, uh, your rhetoric, your, your um, heated rhetoric is responsible for this off the charts violent crime in the city of Chicago? You know what, that, that's, not, that's not appropriate, sir. If you look around you, if you look around you, sir, you're surrounded okay. by white reporters. So I, I really ask you okay. to, to, to do you feel on, responsible? Sir. Let me let me answer the question that you've already asked. So I don't know where you're from. I but I know I know I know what I I know what magazine you're from, and I know what your conservative uh, viewpoints are. But on almost every question that you ask, you had the facts. Okay. 
So she had the facts, the guy had the facts right, but putting that aside, the fact that she's counting which reporters are white and black and whatever else, this is also the same woman who said, you may remember this, we covered it quite extensively, that she would refuse to be interviewed by white reporters because black reporters needed a leg up. But if you want some info on the murders, the murder and the mayhem under Lori Lightfoot, uh, here's, we're gonna first break down just even pr prior to Lori Lightfoot, what was going on in Chicago. So here you go. This is Chicago homicides by year, 99 to 2002. Uh, and you can sort of see it there that it's getting bigger as Lori Lightfoot took over. But in 99, it was at 642, 2005, 453, 2010, 440, 2018, 579. Now we're in Lightfoot territory, 2019, 500. To the next year, it jumped to 772. Uh, the next year it jumped to 802, uh, now right 2022, I guess it's a little unclear, it's 688 to 695. Uh, but here's the real numbers that you need to know. Since Lori Lightfoot's term began, we just fact-checked this, Chicago has suffered 2,278 homicides, 2,278 homicides and over 9,000 people shot. Think about that. That is bananas. And Chicago has some of, if not the strictest, stringest laws related to guns in the entire country. Since January 1st of this year, and we're only at March 1st, the city has endured 41 homicides and 194 people shot. Uh, that's according to the Chicago Contrarian. So this woman has done an unbelievably horrible job. It's why we know people are fleeing Chicago. It's why the police in Chicago are not respected. They have been hampered. They are retiring early. This is exactly what's happening in Portland and San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York City, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not what's happening here in Florida. And here in Florida, we're hiring the best of the best and we're offering bonuses for good police officers who want to come down here and do good work. And that is the blueprint that Ron DeSantis is trying to now send across America. As I hope you saw, I interviewed Governor DeSantis two days ago. We put it up yesterday. His book about the Florida blueprint came out yesterday, The Courage to be Free. And having no idea that uh, Lori Lightfoot was about to step down, I asked him about his visit because last week he went to New York City and to Philadelphia and to Chicago. I asked him what it was like to go to Chicago, which is in just complete stark contrast to what's going on here, let's say in Miami. So you just bounced around some of those blue states and cities to talk about law enforcement and a couple other things. We, we played a bunch of clips of you. Were the local officials there, maybe even the Democrats kind of like, hey, Ron, thank you for coming here and can somebody fix this thing? I mean, are they secretly on the DL rooting for someone like you to show up and, and fix things? Because we just know it's not happening in these blue cities. So it's interesting, and, and, and Chicago, the Chicago one was the most publicized because it was with the Fraternal Order Police, very powerful organization, and it had been publicized, I guess, like a week in advance. And so the left in Illinois was really working to gin up protests yeah. uh, against me when I came. So I'm pulling in, and this was at like an American Legion Hall, so they had to cap it. There was capacity uh, for who could get in. And I'm looking for these protesters, and I'm seeing all these people outside kind of hooting and hollering. And they all had signs welcoming me. There were some <laughs> protesters, but there yeah. weren't very many. But the rest were really thankful for that. And so I think the issue is, is, you know, some of these politicians kowtow to the left. 
the governor there, some of these people running for mayor. Uh, but I think you go underneath that, and particularly for individual voters, regardless if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you know that what they're doing is wrong. Isn't that the interesting piece, that last part there? It's like the average person who is not hyper-political, right? They don't really care if you're a Democrat or Republican. They just want basic law and order. You know, a very small percentage, unfortunately, of American people vote, right? It's gotten a little bit better in the last couple of election cycles because people are so hysterical with politics. Uh, but people do want basic services to be functioning in a city. They don't want to see literally executions in the middle of the day. There is a video, we almost showed it today, but I, I didn't even want to do it. It was going viral on Twitter yesterday of a guy just being executed in the middle of the street, middle of the day in St. Louis, like in the middle of the city, middle of it. Did I say middle enough? Like it's just happening in broad daylight. Of course, Democrat run uh, St. Louis. The mayor happens to be a black woman. I don't want to come off as racist by saying that, you'd think she would care. It was a black guy doing the shooting and a black guy being shot, but okay, whatever. doesn't matter. Again, I don't care about these things. These are the things they purport to care about, the race of the people, actually. I do care about when people get murdered, obviously. Um, but Governor DeSantis is, DeSantis is right. He goes to these places and they go, man, we just wanted something decent here. We didn't want to have to think about politics, but the less you think about politics, the more that the left comes in and wrecks absolutely everything. I think we played a portion of this a couple days ago, but the DeSantis crew put together a little recap video of his trip to New York, Philly, and Chicago. I thought it would be a nice uh, cap on this before we move on. We do not surrender to the woke mob. Policing in the spotlight today. This morning, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is in New York. The first of a three-city tour. In Florida, our crime rate is at a 50-year low. And we've done it by our commitment to public safety and our support for the men and women of law enforcement. And contrast that to what we see in some of these other areas, which has had the polar opposite results, high crime, escalating rates. They are putting woke ideology ahead of public safety. They are pursuing politics at the expense of the well-being of those who wear the uniform. And I can promise you this, that in Florida, we will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Our state is where woke goes to die. Yeah, it's just kind of as simple as that, right? So like, just think about listening to Lori Lightfoot. Imagine if you were one of her constituents in Chicago and how different that is than what's happening here. Now, obviously he's the governor, not the mayor, but, but that, that actually transcends whether you're the governor or the mayor. Like when you just do the right thing and you just say what is true, you start getting better people moving in, your economy starts chugging along, you get a 50 year dip in crime. So what are the current mainstream Democrat priorities? It's clearly not crime and safety, right? It just is not. I don't know, maybe it's their appearance, right? Lori Lightfoot, she's gotta get that haircut. She's a public person and she needs to maintain that level of beauty. Uh, but no, it seems like it's mostly about what they can pretend that they're doing uh, rather than what they are actually doing. So this one is really wild. So Pete Buttigieg, and as you know, Pete Buttigieg is our transportation secretary with no expertise in transportation, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, no offense to South Bend, small town, maybe 100,000 people, I'm not even sure if it's that many, he had absolutely no expertise in this, but Pete uh, is married to a dude. Thus, he gets a better job. That's kind of how it works. That's what they do. That's what they promote. They love diversity, equity, inclusion. Doesn't matter if you're good at what you do. How many lesbians do we have it here? 
How many black people do we have here? That's what they love. So uh, Pete was being interviewed uh, and listen to his priorities. What is most important to Pete more than anything else? This is really, this is wild. Imagine if you ever said anything like this. Climate, climate is not nonsense. Dealing with climate change is one of the biggest things that people like me and people like him will be remembered for after we're gone. Let's put aside your feelings on climate for just a second. Now, I think it's 99, climate change, I think is 99% complete nonsense, meaning the climate is always changing. Humans figure out different places to live. We adapt, we move, we build different structures, et cetera, et cetera. We know all the Democrats, the rich Democrats like Obama, Martha's Vineyard on the water, Pelosi on the water. This is what they do, okay, fine. But he's mostly thinking about what his legacy will be how he will be remembered. And if you think for one second that AOC or Pete Buttigieg can stop or adjust mother nature, you are crazy. These people, these people can't do anything. They, they actually, well, they can't do anything good. They can't create anything good, which is why they've never created a business. They've never created a sustainable entity that has employed a whole bunch of people and helped a bunch of people flourish. What they are good at is taking money from some people and just pushing it towards other people and usually keeping them in poverty or something like that. But he's mostly thinking about that if he can get this done related to climate change, whatever this is, right? We don't even know what this is. You want AOC's Green New Deal or whatever it is, that that's what he will be remembered by. It's just, it was like gross listening to it. And that, that's what you, it's not up to you to decide what you will be remembered by. I, I, don't, even, I don't know if anyone's gonna remember me. I, had a little adventure here. It was a little blip in the, in the radar of the universe. And uh, if I'm remembered, it'll be up to somebody else, not uh, not up to me. Uh, but they seem to care about their looks, right? That's what Delori, she had to break the laws of COVID because she cares about how she looks. And Pete has to care about his legacy. Uh, of course, his legacy isn't looking so great because he's always complaining about uh, fossil fuels, all of that stuff, but uh, he does like the private jet because he's a Democrat. He's better than you. There is an internal audit of your use of FAA jets for official trips following a request for review by Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, it also scrutinized Elaine Chao's um, private jet uh, travel as transportation secretary. Do you have a response to that? Yeah, here's how we uh, handle my travel. The vast majority of the time I travel on commercial airlines in economy class. Uh, but there is a portion of the time, I'd say about 10 to 20 percent, uh, when we use our agency's aircraft. This is not chartering a private jet. This is a, a government aircraft that uh, is assigned to the FAA. Uh, yeah, it's private, though, right? Meaning you are the guy that gets on the plane and there's a pilot and you got your couple people that work for you and you do your thing. I'm not against that. I'm just calling out your ridiculous hypocrisy related to all of these things. Even if, first off, there's nowhere that he has to be that's so important, right? He showed up two weeks late to East Palestine and nobody even wanted him there. The idea that he can't only, if he felt it was all so important, but we know it's not really what they feel, right? What happens at Davos World Economic Forum? The people, John Kerry and Al Gore, the very people complaining about your carbon emissions and what meat you eat, they are taking private jets all over the place. And there is no way that you, any of you watching this or me for the rest of my life could ever leave the carbon footprint that these people have left. So hypocrisy knows no bounds. But what else are the Democrats working on? The big thing yesterday, 
it was actually bigger than Lori Lightfoot losing, is that the Supreme Court right now is hearing arguments. I think the arguments actually wrapped, they wrapped up yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, right? We don't have the answer on it yet. But the arguments wrapped up yesterday related to this student loan bailout situation that basically the Biden administration, right before the election, right before the election, they said, we're gonna do student loan bailouts. Now, there's no way, I am not a constitutional lawyer, but I have spoke to several constitutional lawyers and I have a half a brain, half a functioning brain over here. There is nothing in the constitution that says the president is allowed to wipe out student debt. It simply is not in the constitution, right? And also, while many people seem to think it is such a bright thing to do, you will help poor people by, right, by getting rid of student debt. Do you know how many rich and upper middle class kids there are who go to Syracuse University for 65 grand a year, 300,000 plus in debt by the time they get out and their debt should be wiped too? So you're gonna actually do a bailout for upper, upper middle class people. Now, I think if you're gonna bail out anybody, you bail out everybody and you do it equally. But there is simply nothing in the constitution that says that they could do this. The Biden administration knows that but they did it right before the election because they wanted to make sure young people would vote. Then like two days after the election, you may remember this, we covered it. Like two days after the election, it came out that it was being challenged and that lower courts felt it was not constitutional because obviously it's, it's sort of like the Roe v. Wade situation. There was obviously no constitutional guarantee to abortion. It's not in the dock, right? It's gotta be in the dock. That's what makes it constitutional or in the Bill of Rights, right? Or in subsequent decisions. And this is the exact same thing. There is nothing in the constitution that says the president, who is the executive, right? He's not supposed to write laws. He's just supposed to sign them, right? That's how this thing works, or it's supposed to work. There's obviously nothing in the constitution about that. Uh, we tried to find something pretty nonpartisan to, to recap what's going on here. I ch chose NBC News. Here's Lester Holt, who I don't think is particularly good. He's done some horrible hit pieces on Jordan Peterson in the past, uh, but here's, Basic information from NBC. My God, they can do it every now and again. Good evening and welcome everyone. In a pair of cases that will impact tens of millions of student loan borrowers, the Supreme Court heard arguments today on whether the Biden administration had the authority to forgive some of those loans. The president's loan debt relief plan calls for erasing up to $20,000 in student loans for certain borrowers at an estimated cost of $400 billion. But it was put on hold last fall by an appeals court. Today, the plan appeared to face new headwinds before the Supreme Court as conservative justices questioned whether the president was acting within the law. The White House defending the plan tonight as a helping hand for those getting back on their feet after the pandemic. But critics say the program is patently unfair for those who paid their debt or who never took out a loan in the first place. It's so interesting, even the way they frame that, and that was the best NBC could do, but it's a, it's a helping hand by the Democrats. But that doesn't mean it's constitutional. The conservative justices have concerns about the law. Well, they're Supreme Court justices. They have law clerks. They're experts in law. And it's a pretty high court up there. It says Supreme, right? The Supremes, this is pretty good. But the Democrats with their helping hand, the Democrats are just trying to help people. But those conservative judges have concerns about, it's just so boring and ridiculous. Look, it's simply not in the constitution. I cannot imagine how the judges would actually go for this thing. The president, even if the president means well, I mean, that's what Lester Holt's saying. The president's trying to be nice. The president doesn't want people to have debt. So come on, come on. Anyway, here is teachers union president, this woman. My God, oh, 
I was almost going to say something, but my mom's downstairs. She made a request. This woman, Randy Weingarten, she's running the teachers union. She locked kids in school. Uh, at, she locked kids out of school. She masked kids. She's just absolutely terrible. And she's a Democrat activist pretending very poorly to be nonpartisan. She's also always going to Ukraine, which is a little bizarre uh, to talk about how important it is that we help Ukraine. She's the teacher's union president here in the United States. Anyway, here she is in front of the Supreme Court having a full-on psychotic episode. Enjoy. And frankly, and this is what really pisses me off, during the pandemic, we understood that small businesses were hurting and we helped them and it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge it. Big businesses were hurting and we helped them and it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge it. All of a sudden, when it's about our students, they challenge it, the corporations challenge it, the student loan lenders challenge it. That is not right. That is not fair. And that is what we are fighting as well when we say, cancel student debt. You know, guys, um, one of the things I've really come to believe in my old age is that if you have a command of what you believe, if you know what you believe and why you believe it, and if you think through the issues honestly and clearly, even when all hell is breaking loose, and, and it always seems like all hell is breaking loose, like you can communicate that kind of clearly and honestly. Uh, there are times when I'm more annoyed, right? Like you've seen this show long enough. We did that clip a couple weeks ago where I just dropped like eight F-bombs in one sentence and I was genuinely like frustrated. But these fake, emotive, pandering, ridiculous, LARPing actions by these people where they scream and, they, and this is what progressives do. They don't, she doesn't know why she believes what she believes. She just damn well wants it done. And why does she want it done? Because she wants it done and that's good enough. That does not mean it is constitutional, lady. And by the way, you were for all the closures. You were for closing the schools. So now you pretend you really care that small businesses and big businesses were closed. You were for all of it. This woman has done more to damage the minds and bodies of young people in America, maybe more than anyone, except for maybe, I don't know, Rochelle Walensky from the, from the CDC. Uh, my friend, Carol Markowitz, uh, who's on the show next week. I mentioned we just did a sit down with her on her new book, which is all about parenting in a time of COVID and all of this craziness. Uh, she had wrote a piece in the New York Post in July of 21 about Randy Weingarten. I just wanna read a little excerpt because I thought it was quite good. She said, if your child didn't attend school regularly last year, Randy Weingarten is likely the reason why. Last September, as schools across the country were trying to open, Weingarten could be counted on to oppose any such move. If community spread is too high, if you don't have the infrastructure of testing and you don't have the safeguards that prevent the spread of viruses in the school, we believe you cannot reopen in person, Weingarten said. Who can forget her interview with Jewish Telegraph, Telegraphic Agency in March in which Weingarten lied that virtually every school district in New York State and in Connecticut is reopened. Many of them have reopened in New Jersey. In fact, Gotham Middle and High Schools ended the school year still mostly closed, while elementary schools would only open full-time at the end of April, weeks after the interview. Several districts in New Jersey didn't open for in-person school this year at all. In the same interview, Weingarten took aim at Jews who dared question why schools were still closed. Weingarten called them the ownership class. When casual Marxism with bizarre anti-Semitic undertones makes it into the classrooms, it isn't difficult to see where it originates. This woman has been 
completely insane this entire time. And what she now fears is that too many people see her insanity. She's still in, in charge of those teachers unions and she will gladly lock down kids again and, and push vaxes on them and everything else. Uh, you may remember this, this is two years ago. I mean, this, this is as a parent now to watch a video like this and, and understand what they did to children. I hated it then, but now I, I don't even know what to say about it. This is her two years ago uh, saying she supports mandating vaccinations on kids five years old, freaking years old and up. In terms of vaccines, I think what Gavin Newsom did in California is really the best model, which is that the semester after they are, they go from emergency use to full authorization and the FDA has done everything that they need to do. That's what California has said. That is the semester that they become mandatory. But And you right support now, that nationally. And I and and I I personally support that. The union hasn't taken a position on that. Why but not? Personally I support that and you know, because we haven't you know, our California Federation has and they support it. And you know, generally I believe that we will take that position and support Lady, let me just tell you this. If you ever are saying that what Gavin Newsom did is the best thing, you gotta have your head checked. You should be studied by a team of scientists. They should be going in there, cracking your skull open and figuring out what freaking mind virus is in there. And they, they gotta send that to the lab and do something with it. Uh, so she closed down schools. She wanted to inject kids with shit that did not, oop, we're gonna count. Ah. Can you check, is, is, is that technically a curse anymore? Because I'm pretty sure you're allowed to say it like, yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure you're allowed to say it on like NBC at, at eight o'clock. There goes my nine seven today. <laughs> anyway, you got the point. I don't like her. She's not very good at what she does. And, and, and there's a reason she's hysterical, right? They, they love this emotive performance because the more they do it, they, they think it tricks people into thinking that they're right. They're screaming, she's screaming so loud. She's genuflecting and blah, 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 blah. She obviously is right. And it's just not true. And more and more people are seeing through it. Uh, here's another wizard. Uh, this is Cori Bush. She is a progressive. She is from the squad. Uh, and mostly she wants this thing uh, passed, this uh, bailout for the students, uh, because it will help black people. It takes significant steps to reducing the racial wealth gap. And I'm going to address that. We know that black bars, specifically black women, carry the heaviest student debt burden. We know that black women already struggle with wage discrimination. We earn on average 58 cents for every dollar a white man earns. That ain't right. Oh God, lady, uh, where do we do? We, uh, we'll do the racial wealth gap. It's, it's complete nonsense. I would recommend that you watch Christina Hoff Summers' video on PragerU about the gender wage gap. It's, it's complete nonsense. Men and women often choose different professions. That's what happens. Uh, there are many reasons for that. There's a hunter-gatherer version of that. Women generally are tending to the children. These are fundamental differences that you may not like, but they actually are different. Men tend to like things, so generally would become more interested in say engineering, where women tend to like people and to become nurses a little bit more. But when they do a comparison of the same exact job, there is basically no gender pay gap, okay? But they wanna, they wanna make sure that you think that you know, we're discriminating against women and we're discriminating, discriminating against black people and all of those things. 
and it's just not true. And again, even if it was all true, even if all of that stuff was true, it doesn't mean that it's constitutionally legal to wipe out student debt. It's not in the dock, but they don't like the dock very much. So unfortunately, to now bring this around, these are, the, these are the same people that a guy like Bill Maher is telling you to vote for. The day before the election, when he's basically saying, if you vote Republican, you will, you will end democracy, right? We will end in this banana republic. Well, I know he doesn't like Cori Bush and he doesn't accept the woke stuff. And I suspect he doesn't really love, well, I was gonna say he doesn't really love Randy Weingarten, but I'm pretty sure she's been on the show a couple of times. The point is, that if you keep voting Democrat and the Democrats and then all of their machinery around them, the, the teachers unions and corporate media and big tech and all that stuff keeps pushing all the stuff that you say that you're against. Ah, Bill, I'll text you after this. It's nothing personal. You got the point. They're ruining our states. They're ruining our cities and they're just gonna keep going. Uh, so I thought a nice way to end the show today would be a little bit different. Uh, I found this video of uh, Shark Tank billionaire investor, you know this guy, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Uh, he was on Tucker Carlson's Fox Nation show, uh, and he started talking about what's happening in America. It's obviously a theme I've been talking about for quite some time, how the blue states simply are not working anymore, that if you just want to create something, whatever it is, a business, you want to sell t-shirts, you want to open up a store, you want to sell freaking smoothies, that it's just becoming impossible to do in blue states. My whole life as an investor, 30 plus years, 95% of my money either went to Silicon Valley or into Boston around MIT and Harvard. That was the birthplaces of venture capital since 1954. That's where it all went. You can't put money to work in either of those places today. Massachusetts is at war with entrepreneurship. Elizabeth Warren will punish you for success. She will make sure you pay super taxes if you're successful. The regulatory environment there is prohibitive for business. New York, even worse. New Jersey, forget about it. California is not in business. You can't do business there. And they're leaving like droves out of there. So this competition of states is beginning to occur. It's really, really interesting. Now, now Kevin O'Leary is, is Canadian originally. Uh, did he end up running for conservative uh, party? I think he might've actually run in the conservative party and actually didn't do that well. But this, is a, this billionaire guy uh, who's telling you, hey, I used to dump all my money to the Boston area, the Harvard area, and to Silicon Valley, and you cannot do it. These are places you no longer can do business in. I, I don't know if you guys saw it yet, but if you haven't seen it, uh, part one of my interview with Peter Thiel, another billionaire, uh, is, uh, is up right now on YouTube. The full thing's already on, uh, on Locals. And he talks about that too, that doing business in these places is becoming impossible. If you wanna be taxed to high hell, thus punished. While Elizabeth Warren, of course, Senator, fake Native American Senator from uh, Massachusetts, she somehow, has become worth, you know, I think something like $100 million, sent all her kids to private school. She doesn't want to do that. Um, in any event, they, they punish success and they make sure that people can't bring new capital in. So even think about it now, if, you, if you're looking at the general state of the states and you're going, well, it does seem like New York's kind of banged up right now and Cali's kind of banged up and Massachusetts, Jersey, okay. They're banged up right now, but you know, these things are cyclical, it'll come around. 
But you know, what they need to come around is you need people to come in and over time they have to fix things, right? You, things don't get fixed over, over one cycle, right? Over one year. It gets fixed over a long period of time. Who in their right mind right now is looking at those places and being like, yes, I'm going to build a giant factory in New York. I'm going to employ all of these people in California. As he said, California is just done. So they just keep moving. They keep moving and then they take resources. They take, it's not just money. They take good people. That's what my lesson, the lesson of my life more than anything else in the, in the 15 or so months that I have been here in Florida has been that from all of the people I've met and the people that came with me here. It's not just the money that comes out of the blue states and the money that you'll save here. It really is not. It's the good people. It's the people who realize that they want some autonomy over their lives and then they move and they enrich the place they go to and they leave the other one. They leave that barren, destitute land where nothing's going to grow. That's how it is. Uh, he continued a bit further on that. I could put money anywhere. Anywhere. Why? Because the pandemic changed our economy. 40% of my staff at every company, regardless what city they're headquartered in, works remotely. That's never going to change. Primarily in accounting, logistics, some marketing positions, certainly sales. You just don't need to be in the office anymore. I know there's guys trying to get everybody back, but you can see through empty buildings in New York City. They're just not coming back. They're never going to. They don't want to pay those taxes. But the point is... They're never going to. No. You're so never what going... happens to 6th Avenue? I think you turn it into condos. Because people don't want to put the nexus of their business in a place where AOC is telling you, I hate you. I'm going to litigate you. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to make sure that you can't create a job. My whole point is there are go-to states and there's no-go states. And no-go states right now are New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, California. You cannot invest in those places. They are no longer investable. They're going to have to change policy. Have you been to San Francisco? He probably could have included Illinois in there. And of course, you know my feelings on San Francisco. Like you cannot do business in these places. And as things go more and more remote, at the end of the day, if you're the head guy running the business, well, you're going to live in Florida and you're not going to really care where your people live. So you might hire somebody that lives in San Francisco, uh, but it's going to be really expensive to live there. And you know this thing when Tucker asked him about, well, what's going to happen on 6th Avenue? Uh, we're actually pre-taping tomorrow's show because tomorrow night I'm going to be on Gutfeld. So I'm going to New York tomorrow. And I have to tell you, the few times that I've gone back to New York since COVID, it's mostly been to do Gutfeld. And that's right in midtown Manhattan, you know, like 50th and Broadway, which is right by 6th Avenue, right over there. And the, it used to be a place of business. There were guys walking around in suits, women in pantsuits, whatever it is, doing business, people talking about business a city that was flourishing and it all it does now, everyone's walking around solo, head down, a lot of hoodies, it smells like weed, there's nothing there, empty buildings everywhere, lights off, it is deeply, deeply depressing. So, you know, he said they'll turn it into condos. I'll actually go a step further. I don't think there'll be enough people moving in. What it's gonna turn into is they will, they will bring mass migrants there, they will turn hotels, wait, wait till you, wait, just wait till the St. Regis is a homeless hotel. But these are the policies these people have. So he's telling you, he's telling you, go to the promised land. And that promised land is probably right here, obviously. It's probably in Texas. It's probably in Tennessee. Might be in Montana. Might be in some other places. Might be in South Dakota. But it's not those places. So to my liberal friends, to bring us full circle, my, my liberal sane friends, 
choice is yours. You could keep saying you're a good liberal and getting everything wrong, or you can maybe go, boy, those scary people are actually not that scary and they're the ones doing the work to make sure that I can still smoke my weed and whatever else these people wanna do. Uh, part one of my interview with Peter Thiel that I just referenced is up right now on YouTube and Rumble. The full thing's available ad-free, of course, at locals.rubenreport.locals.com where we'll be doing a post-game show in about 47 seconds. We leave you. We didn't do much on Biden today. Did I even say Biden? Did I say Joe Biden once during the show? Uh, we leave you with ramblingly incoherent <laughs> Joe Biden, and I'll see you in for the post-game in a sec. And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you'll learn in medical school, in nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand her. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, that there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't knew the one I had, the one comfortable. But I'm not joking. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.